God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It seems very clear to me that God has a very clear message to us tonight. He's already fought the battle for us. We might as well quit stressing out and just believe that he's got it taken care of tonight. Amen. If you believe that, clap your hands to the Lord and give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. So good to see you tonight. God is good to us and his goodness and mercy continually follow us all the days of our lives. I'm so thankful for that tonight. Now, I thought about confiscating all of the young men's cell phones tonight. I understand it's Super Bowl Sunday. And I don't want any of y'all to be distracted. But the truth is, if I got all the young men, I'd probably have to get all the young ladies too because sometimes the people you don't suspect are the ones that are spying out other things while church is going on. My pastor, oh, what my pastor would have done to me if he had ever caught me texting in church. I don't even want to think about it. But uh, if you will help me for just a few moments, I do not intend to be long. Please lift up Brother Landon Long in your prayers. He is very sick tonight. And uh, he was supposed to be preaching. Now I'm going to tell you how my day went today. Do you really want to know? Some of you think that all preachers do is eat ice cream, chocolate cake, and chicken, and show up and rant and scream and rave about all that you're not doing. I laid down last night about 10.40-something, and at 11.42, my dog woke me up and needed to go out. Been dealing with a sick dog. She hasn't done that all week long. And the first time I got up, it just crossed my mind. Is it possible that the devil could get in a dog? (laughs) And at 1249, I was thinking that that might be true. And at 229, I knew that had to be true. And at four something, I finally said enough. I left for church and forgot my cell phone. I had to go back home. I didn't want it waking my wife up if I, any calls came in. And I have some friends that call early in the morning. Got here, and I knew God wanted to do something good. And he did something wonderful this morning for our church. I've learned this much about God. Anytime you run into roadblocks, it's not because you're doing something wrong. But the more severe your trial, the more obvious it is that God's got something great He has got in store for you and the enemy would like to keep us from that. Amen. For the land that I know would have brought you a wonderful word tonight, but lift him up in your prayers. So 
I'm going to do what I can to help you. Genesis chapter 45, you may want to be seated because it's a whole chapter we're going to read from. And I know you might get tired and I don't want you doing what this scripture says. Falling out in the way. Genesis chapter 45. I'm going to read beginning with verse 1 and I'm not... I don't know that I'm going to read the entirety, but I am going to read at least down through verse 24. And I want you to pay very close attention to what transpires and unfolds. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. You understand that Joseph had been in Egypt and uh, now the famine had come to his family and their homeland and uh, by God's divine order his brothers had found uh, their way to Egypt and Joseph had been able to bless them and help them. They were not aware of who he was at that time and there was this interchange that went on for some time and finally Joseph could refrain himself no longer and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled in his presence. In modern English, they were shaking in their boots. They were terrified. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me. Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near to him and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore... Be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. Isn't it amazing when you keep the right attitude, when you keep the right attitude, how you can come to understand the adversities that come into your life. So it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, the Lord and Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Listen to what all he's sharing with his brothers. Haste you, go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, 
and thy children's children and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee. For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. Behold, your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen and you shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother's, brother Benjamin's neck and wept and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them and after that his brethren talked with him. Amen. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brethren are come and it pleased Pharaoh well. And it And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, verse 17, Say unto thy brethren, This do you, lay your beast, and go get you into the land of Canaan. Laid your beast. I want you to get everything you can get and load it on those animals to take back to your father. I want want there to be an abundance so lay your beast and go ye, get you in unto the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come unto me and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt and you shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded this do you, take you wagons, out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. Don't even worry about what you have or you don't have because I'm making all of Egypt yours. And the children of Israel did so and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandments of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner 10 asses laden with the good things of Egypt and 10 she asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. That's a very important phrase because that's indicative of the journey that they are about to make coming back to this place that will be their haven for this season of famine. And this is what Joseph closed with. So he sent his brethren away and they departed and he said unto them, See, that you fall not out by the way. Amazing. Of all the things that Joseph shared with them and made them aware that were now theirs, of all the things he could have talked about and reminded them of, 
the blessings of provision, the protection that would be theirs, the land that they had been offered. The one thing that Joseph was most concerned with from his brethren is that they would lose sight on the way home of what really mattered and they would get lost in the minor issues of what had all happened. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about not missing the forest for the trees. Not missing the forest for the trees. Or a subtitle might be, Don't Miss the Major because of some minor thing. I believe you and I are on our way home. I believe that tonight. I believe we are on our way to our eternal home. We have promises that we have been laden with. We sang about so many of them tonight. The presence of the Lord the promises of the Lord, the blessings that God has given to our lives. And yet there is something that troubles this pastor at times and I think you and I need to be aware of it is that often it is possible that while we are in the midst of God's provision we can get hung up on some minor thing and let that become the focus and the absorption of our energy. Joseph realized something, that as soon as those brothers got outside of his voice range and got outside the presence of his influence, Somebody was going to start throwing the blame game around. Somebody was going to have to explain something to daddy when they got home because they had told daddy that Joseph had died. They had led him to believe that he was dead. And so here they are on their way home with the greatest knowledge of provision and mercy and protection that anyone could have been given. And yet Joseph's greatest fear for his brethren in that hour is that all of those blessings and all of those, those wonderful things that God had provided for them through his journey and his ordeal would be lost to some minor argument about whose fault it was that Joseph was in prison. It's the trick of the enemy to get you and I focused on the minor. Is it not so that when the serpent came into the garden in the very beginning, that he did not deny all that God had provided for man? He didn't argue with Eve about all that God had put in that garden for them to enjoy. He could not deny it. 
because it was obvious if you look around, the blessings of God were everywhere. The mercies of God were all over the place. The the handprint of God's goodness was on every leaf, on every tree. It was on everything that they looked at. But in order to get Eve to do what she shouldn't do, he had to get her focused on one thing that in the scope of everything was minor compared to what she had been given. And so it is with the enemy of our soul. The greatest fear that I have in this hour is not the devil. Now you may be afraid of him, but I'm not. I've faced him too many times and he's a beaten foe. I said he's a beaten foe. But what I do fear is that on this journey toward heaven, things can happen in our life that will cause us to fall out, as Joseph said, in the way. And what we fall out over, if you weigh them in the scheme of all things considered, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. There was a couple that decided they were going to take their dream vacation and so they wanted to go to Hawaii. That was the place they'd always wanted to go and so they sat down and started making plans. The husband was very diligent and careful in his planning and he was also a very frugal man and so he planned out every island they would go to and he planned out the, the kind of vehicle they would rent and the places they would stay and the sites that they would see. And finally it came time for them to go on their dream vacation. And when they r- arrived in Hawaii, their first stop was the big island. And when they had gotten their luggage and they had gone to the rental car counter, he pulled out his reservation number and he said, I, I, I have a car rented. And being the frugal man that he was, he, he, he knew that there was other things to spend money on than a car. So he rented the cheapest car he could rent, a subcompact. Now, if you don't know what a subcompact is, it's what you have to put on to ride in. So he gets to the counter and he gives the person behind the counter uh, his reservation number and much to his surprise, the person replied and said, Sir, we, we, I'm sorry to tell you, but we don't have your rental we don't have the car that you rented available and the agent didn't notice but his temperature started to rise his wife looked over at him and saw that he was becoming quite agitated and aggravated and though the agent didn't seem to notice before the man could open his mouth and say anything he said but Will you accept a substitute? 
we will be happy to put you in another vehicle. And finally, after they told him what kind of vehicle it was, we have a Mustang convertible for you. Will that do? And so he accepted the Mustang convertible and they went on their way and they enjoyed the big island and then they left there and they flew to the next island. When they got to the next island, lo and behold, when he got to the agent there at the rental car area, he gave the same reservation information and the same identical thing happened. They said, sir, we're sorry, but we do not have your subcompact, but would you allow us to give you a substitute? And so they did that. And then they flew to the next island. This happened four times that every time they would come to the agent, they would find out that the car they had rented was not available. But here's the sum of the story. They drove a Mustang convertible. They drove a Mazda MX-5 convertible. They drove a Lincoln Town Car. And they drove a Mercedes. All for the price of a subcompact. Now they're on the plane going home. They're reminiscing their trip. The wife leans over on her husband's shoulder and said, Oh honey, thank you for putting together our dream vacation. It was so awesome. And he said, yes, it was such a great trip. But you know it's sad that they never had the car that we rented. You see, it's amazing how easily we can become so absorbed in what doesn't work that we fail to realize what is working. That we plan something and God has a greater blessing designed for us and because our plans didn't work out, we sit around complaining about how things don't ever work out for our good. I have news for you, church. You and I cannot even begin to imagine the blessings that God has in store for us in this final hour. We can't. We cannot even fathom how God wants to pour out blessings. And if we're not careful, we can become so absorbed by looking at the trees or the irritations in life or the things that don't work the way we thought they ought to work that we miss the forest, that we miss the blessing, that we miss the mercies of God and we're so absorbed in what didn't happen that we fail to realize what did happen. God blessed me more than I deserved. God gave me more than I owed. He did more for me than I paid for. And Joseph realized that with all of the abundance that was at the hands of his brothers, the one thing he feared the most is that they were going to get sidetracked and get into an argument about who was guilty of him being in Egypt. He said, it doesn't matter how I got here. What matters is God used this to save our family. 
Listen to me, church, tonight. If there's anything the devil will try to do in this last hour, he can't deceive you because you're too rooted in truth. He can't bring a lie that you're going to buy into because he, you, you know too much of the word. But I tell you what, he is really good at. He's really good at you getting so distracted by things that don't really matter and things that are of no importance uh, that you fall out in the way and I've come to tell somebody here tonight that there is nothing in this world worth getting crossed up over in this hour if it doesn't work out the way you plan look around and see that the plan is still working come on clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise how often do we fail to appreciate God's blessings in our lives because we're so hung up on some point that didn't work out. You know, when I look back over my life, if I had been given the pen to write what happened, I would not have written the story that was written. I would not have pinned in many of the things that came into my life. But at 65 and looking back, when I look back, I realize all of those things that God wrote into the script of my life that were not part of my plans, were part of His plan to help perfect me and make me the person that He wanted me to be. And if I'm not careful, I can get so hung up arguing with God and fighting with God over how things are working out in my life that I become blind to the blessing that surround me and the blessing that God pours into my life. And I can get so hung up on one minor thing that I fail to realize that He's blessed me far more than I even deserve. I would not have wanted the pain. I certainly would not have wanted some of the embarrassing things I've had to live through. But I know now that God used them for my good. The pain of learning is often great. But when you learn those lessons, you never forget them. And I am grateful for that. And I have come to realize in my journey toward eternity that I, I don't believe the devil's ever going to get me to believe a lie. I don't believe at this point in my life that's going to happen. I'm not bragging, but I just don't think that's going to work because I have, I have found his word to be too deeply rooted in my life. But this is what I have found, that he's really good at getting me distracted and sapping my energy and my time and my efforts on things that really don't matter instead of looking around and realizing all of the things that God has worked out in my life. And if we're not careful, we become like Haman. We become like a man who has thousands and thousands of people bowing 
but the only thing he could see was the one man that would not bow. And that one man that would not bow got to eating on him and grinding on him and working on him until he tried to devise a mean to get, means to get rid of that one man. And then in the end, what he used or thought would get rid of that one man became his own place of execution. I'm just here to tell you folks, I'm not willing to die on that mountain and I'm not going to die on that hill. I don't want to be distracted in the way. I don't want to lose sight or fact of the good news that I need to take home that the Lord has provided for us and he has kept us and he is with us and we are not going to spend our time or our energy giving in to arguing about things that really don't matter. The devil is so good at using the minor and making it the major. You ever notice how those things can happen? That you allow it to work on your mind and your thoughts and before long it's bigger than life? How many embarrassing moments in my own life have come because I let a minor thing become a major issue? Every battle is not worth dying in. And how often we miss the more important point of God's mercy and God's provision because we're arguing about things that don't matter. God's provided us with a Mercedes and we're griping because we didn't get a subcompact. Amen. Praise God. You see, God is better to us than our expectations. And he's better to us than we deserve. And sometimes in life, God just wants to bless you in an unusual and spectacular way. And if you're not careful, you will allow that blessing to be wasted because of some minor infraction. Amen. Somebody throw you a big party and somehow your attention come on one person that didn't show up for it and you get offended at that one person because they didn't come to your party and you got a hundred people there shouting and celebrating your praises. Now that, you say, oh, that would never happen to me, but it does. In minor ways all along life's journey, The enemy knows he can't deceive you. He knows you're not going to believe that kind of lie. But he knows also that there's some things he can get you so focused on and you become so absorbed in and you get so worked up over them that you're ready to go to Fist City, as my dad used to say, over things that really don't matter in an issue or a family life. And the fact is sometimes you need to back up and look again and say, God, would you help me see your blessings? Would you allow me to see what all you have done for us? I don't want to get so caught up in the negative in this hour that I forget what God has done. Do you realize what a great church God has provided you with? Not just this place, but his church. 
the place for you to find mercy and grace and goodness and forgiveness and restoration. And yet sometimes you can get bent out of shape because somebody didn't speak to you. Or they didn't call your name. Or they didn't shake your hand. Don't miss the forest for the trees. Joseph had laden them. Pharaoh had laden them with blessings. Multiplied over wagons. That's what revived their father, Jacob. When he saw the wagons, his spirit came. Why were those wagons there? Because of the goodness and the mercies of God's provision. You know what? It's not time for those minor things to become a major issue in my life. It's time for me to get focused on what really matters. Amen. It's time for me to stay focused on what really matters. And I'm just telling you that in the hour in which we live, the thing that the devil is going to try to use the most to drive a wedge between you and a brother or a wedge between you and a sister or to cause you to get out of joint with the church is some minor issue that when you look at it in the scope of the whole picture of grace, it really isn't worth even talking about. You say, oh, but Brother Hughes, I was offended. Guess what? So was he. But he didn't stumble over that offense. If he had, he'd have never gone to Calvary. He went to Calvary anyway. He went not only to Calvary, but into the grave and out of the grave because he had a purpose to fulfill. Listen, church, we have a purpose to fulfill and I'm not going to let anything stop us. I'm not going to let anything turn our attention away I have one purpose here and that is to keep us reaching for every blessing that God has made available to us and keep our eyes focused on that one thing that matters. Stand to your feet with me right now. When the serpent slithered into that garden, he was too smart to know you can't, you, you, you can't deny the blessings of God here. You just can't deny that. I mean, look around. Everything. Everything. Every provision. Every luxury. Every nicety that a person could want could be found in that garden. So how am I going to get my job done today? I'm going to have to get her focused on something that in the whole scheme of things really doesn't matter. And that's how he still works. That's how he still crosses people up. That's that's how he still causes people to fall out in the way. By getting them to major on a minor. Amen. I remember, I I know I've shared this before, but I read the story of a man who walked across the United States backwards. 
backwards. I don't remember exactly how many weeks, months it took him to do that. But a news reporter got wind of his story and he became curious. And so he started following him. And finally, when he had reached his destination and he had traversed the width of our United States, he asked for an interview, sitting down to talk with him about his experience. I mean, it, it's hard enough for me to walk forward, much less walking backward. But to do that all the way across the United States, up mountains, down in the valleys, all of those places. And so the, the reporter was curious. I mean, it, challenging. That, it, that You understand that. You know that that doesn't happen without great adversity, great challenges. And as he talked with this gentleman, he said, I have... I have really one question that's gnawing in my, my mind and my thoughts. What was the most difficult part of your journey? He was thinking perhaps the mountains. I, I mean, I've tried to walk mountains forward and not be able to do it. What is, what's it like trying to walk a mountain backwards? And much to his surprise... The man looked at him as clearly, as soberly as I'm looking at you right now. And he said, I'll tell you what the hardest part of the journey was. It was the sand in my shoes. Those little microscopic annoyances that get in your shoe and you think it has got to be the rock of Gibraltar in there. It wears a blister. And you think as sure as, I, as sure as I'm standing here, when I take this shoe off, it's going to be a rock like. And then when you get your shoe off and you get to looking, you think, oh, no, 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 that, that, that couldn't have been. It had, it had to be on my sock. But the fact is, it's the little things that get the best of us. It's the little fox that spoils the battle. It's that daily annoyance that grates on you and eats on you until that becomes the entirety of your focus. And Joseph said, brethren, I have one thing I need you to do for me. But more, I need you to do it for yourself. Look around. Look at this. Look at the animals that are laden with blessings and mercy. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. Because life has a tendency to turn your attention to those things that really don't matter. And wouldn't it be terrible? Wouldn't it be a tragedy to fall out in the way 
over something that when you look at what you have, what was that all about? I'm, I'm, I'm closing, but Brother Wayne Huntley stood here and preached for us a few weeks ago and he shared a story with me about something that happened in his own life with he and another minister. There was a misunderstanding. They had been close friends like brothers. And something happened and a door closed. And for 20 years, they did not speak. And he said, it grieved me, but he said, I have to confess my own human pride felt like I was right and he was wrong. And so for 20 long years, there was no communication between these two men that had been so very close. And he said, finally, one day the phone rang and it was this man that he had not talked to. He said, I need you to come. I want you to come visit with me. And so they got together. And he said, the tears flowed, as you can imagine. And there was a lot of brokenness. And this was the tragedy. This was what the man said. I don't even remember what it was that caused this rift listen to your pastor tonight there's some things worth dying for there's a lot of things that are not make sure you know what it's worth dying for and make sure that it's not some minor thing that in the grand scheme of God's mercies, it really doesn't matter. Amen. Because my goal, my desire, I want to make it home. I said, I want to make it home. I've come too far in my journey to lose out now. I don't want to leave here a bitter man. I don't want to leave here angry and hurt. Life can do a lot to you to make that happen, but I, I want to stay focused on what really matters. And the fact is, God's been so good to me. He has blessed me so much more than I deserve. Even if I look around and see some things that I don't have, I have so many things that I don't even deserve. What do I have to complain about? Praise God. Lord, I love you tonight. I don't even know how to tell you what I need to tell you right now, Lord, but I am thankful. I am grateful for every blessing, every mercy, every provision. I'm thankful, Lord, for the pain. I'm thankful, Lord, for those broken times. I'm thankful for your hand that has been on me. Even when I didn't realize it was there. And when it was so convenient 
to become absorbed in that minor thing. Lord, somehow you have been able to help me turn my eyes back toward what really matters. And that's what I'm asking for us tonight is keep us focused on what really matters, God. Keep us focused on what is of matter to you, what concerns you, Lord. And all of the minor things that can happen along life's highway, Lord, help me to never lose sight of all that you've already done and all that you've already provided. You've blessed us more than we deserve tonight, God. And many of us are driving Rolls Royce and deserve a subcompact. But that's just the way you are, God. You've been that good to us. You've been that merciful to us. That you didn't give us according to our desert, but you gave us according to your mercies. I am thankful for that tonight. And I just want to let you know that on this journey toward home, I need you to help me. Keep my eyes and my spirit and my mind focused on the one thing that matters. And let all this other stuff just fall out by the way. God, I pray your blessings upon this church tonight and your mercies, Lord. Let them follow us all the days of our lives. Would you lift your voice right now and praise him and thank him for his mercy? Come on, do that. Come on, lift up your voice. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.